A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Wednesday Night War Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick to look ahead to tonight's episode of NXT, NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver Night One. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review the Wednesday Night War, and if you want to know our thoughts ahead of AEW Dynamite, that is available as a podcast right now. We also review Raw pay-per-views smackdown we have interviews roundtable discussions and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on wrestle but as i said joined by hamlet and sidgwick to re- preview night one of nxt takeover stand and deliver the final nxt on wednesday nights how are you feeling hamlet oh, like bored already to be honest um I, I called this sludge on twitter yesterday this show i was referring to both cards not just the wednesday night it's there's like two things that are legitimately really exciting and are worthy of praise where the booking's been good, where there's actual stars in matches. But we're going to go through this bit by bit and you can't, they're, so, they're such bastards. They rule by confusion, like all capitalism does. That's all WWE does. They rule by confusion. Like so much of this doesn't feel like a takeover, but then they'd probably argue, well, it's night one of a two night takeover. So really to combine them together, that's how it's proper takeover. That's the real quiz. Like, some of the stuff on this card is, it's been so poorly built. It's so meaningless in the grand scheme of things. And yet, because of the good stuff, people, like people, myself included, not just other people, are probably going to have fond overall thoughts on this show in the morning. There's two things that I can't wait to watch because I'm a dedicated wrestling fan. Um, and yet it just feels so, it feels very, very fitting as a way for the Wednesday Night Wars to end, if I'm honest. Because this, like, NXT feels pretty broken. And, like, a night change probably won't fix it, but at least it gives it a chance. Mm. It's always all right on the night. Always all right on the night. Um, Some of the booking here has been terrible in terms of the gauntlet eliminator bollocks that we're going to get. Some of it's been perfunctory. Some of it's been really well done. Ultimately, what you're going to get tonight probably are three, four and a half star level matches. And the fact that there's two threes just means that it'll never dip in quality. That'll get rapturously received. Um, and I'm really hyped for two matches in particular. And I never get that 
about NXT on a humdrum, ordinary Wednesday. So, yeah, I'm hyped for this. There's two matches in particular that I really, really want to see. Well, let's talk about the match, first of all, that everyone is looking forward to, it feels like, and arguably has had the best build out of everything on uh, night one of TakeOver, that being Io Shirai defending the NXT Women's Championship against Raquel Gonzalez. And we saw that uh, amazing image, I think uh, Hamlet retweeted it, of, of all the, the challenges who stepped up and been knocked back down by Io Shirai. Impress- an impressive uh, list of people she's defeated. But is tonight the night we see a new NXT Women's Champion, Sige? Yes, and they could not have done a better job of building said new champion. Like, this is genuinely, almost inexplicably masterful stuff from an NXT brand that has otherwise totally lost its way. We're not too far removed from the anniversary of her debut, which was met with derision and confusion, and virtually every step of the way, with the one exception no one cares about, wherein... She was, I, I was first, I was first, I was first. Like, you know, man. Every step of the way, they've built her and built her and built her as this monster capable of winning matches, of stealing spotlights in the case of Shotzi Blackheart at War Games, um, of beating decisively the last person everyone thought was going to be the NXT Women's Champion in an absolutely inspired mini program with Rhea Ripley. They've gone all the way with her. I expect them to go all the way with it at night. And there's going to be a moment in this match, which I still think is going to be incredibly dramatic, despite the fact that I feel like it's time to do the switch. Like near perfect, really. Like near perfect, if you consider the arc, how it's culminated, when it's culminated. It's obviously one of the biggest takeovers of the year, being in and around WrestleMania season. Um, And yet they have in parallel, as illustrated by that match graphic, portrayed Io Shirai, not in the most interesting of ways all of the time, but as the undisputed ace, capital A, of this division. Mm-hmm. It's just been really masterful, masterful long-term build, even if indirectly most of the time, but that's how you you power these things ultimately. Um, and I expect the match to totally bang as well. It's Io Shirai's presumed last stand. It's Raquel Gonzalez's breakthrough. The dynamic is perfect, skill versus size, but the monster has skills as well, which are going to be realized like in the crest of the drama or the finish. Like, I just think it's going to be awesome. I think it's all going to be informed by that quality that NXT has been lacking. And there's going to be some absolutely incredible near falls. Um, this is probably the NXT match I've most looked forward to since the entire beginning of this damnable Wednesday Night War. Yeah, can't really add too much to that. It does, it just feels. Perfect, and NXT so rarely achieve that level of perfection anymore. Um, look, it's been 27 years of crap Sean and Diesel comparisons, and we finally got one that fits it. Like, we <laughs> finally got one that is like befitting of, of what that comparison actually means of how one established wrestler helped build another established wrestler who maybe had a little bit less about them, but had like a size advantage that you just had to push that you had to go with you have to go with Raquel Gonzalez mm. because she's made herself undeniable in this position as Cedric points out from that debut last year which was kind of laughed at at Portland if anything her running was seen to ruin what was a pretty yeah. great like grizzly street fight payoff to this like long-standing feud and where they've arrived at in a year since is amazing loads of credit to Gonzalez because you've got to improve along with the push mm-hmm. like NXT is often functional to a fault. But if wrestlers 
this is like a WWE mentality as well. If wrestlers aren't seen to be like every day earning the attention that they've been given, they'll lose the attention. Like it's like every day you have to do better than the last. Otherwise, maybe we'll look elsewhere. It's how they keep so many talent on the toes. I don't particularly support it as a working practice, but Raquel Gonzalez nonetheless has lived up to that. Every time something has been asked of her, she's stepped up to that opportunity. I think a lot about the uh, the ending of the final of the um, the Dusty Cup as an example of that. Like that was a middling match that had a slightly confusing heel babyface dynamic, but was almost entirely saved by an amazing finish where twice Gonzalez got to show her ridiculous strength, her unbelievable charisma in the way that she harbours that strength and advantage over these other women. And yeah, in contrast to Io Shirai, um, a, a babyface champion for the bulk of a run, a babyface champion that has kind of taken on all comers in mm. very honourable fashion. She's not given storylines or angles to work with typically. So instead, she just on the night has to be the hardest working best champion. That's a really, really difficult role in 2020, 2021. Just, it's, you know, it, it, there's not much, there's not much space for earnest babyface champions like that in wrestling anymore. So she's done a brilliant job. This is the night. Um, and it's great to see somebody get anointed in this regard as well. Mm. It's really cool to see. Um, the, even when it feels predictable, you know, I don't think anyone's going to back Eosha Wright to win this. But sometimes wrestling's great for that. Countless WrestleManias used to end with that, with this idea of you are buying in to seeing that triumph, to seeing that moment, to seeing somebody get anointed. Also puts over the belt. It also shows that the belt still means something because you want to see her win it because that's going to be the proof that this has worked. If she doesn't win this match, it's almost going to look as if, oh, the push has been a failure. Like that belt mm. so symbolises something. I, f- I feel a bit bad because I've booked Io Shirai to lose so often. She's been spectacular throughout this run. But I've sat here and said, oh, and they did the triple threat featuring her and Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Oh, Rhea wins the title back then. And then it's like she's facing Candice LeRae now. Candice LeRae beats her then. Or Dakota Kyle, whoever it may be, who seem to back her opponents. And a lot of the time, the builds have been pretty dreadful uh, in terms of, do you want to just get in this tank and cut a promo on the water, Rio? And yet, like like Sid alluded to, on the night, every time she smashed it out of the park. And it's not just a case of on the night. Whenever she's actually given something to do, I think she absolutely nails it. And personified by the, the, the go-home uh, NXT last week, which just built and built and built between these two. Raquel Gonzalez hoying it through a bloody wall and attacking her throughout the night and then concluding with Io Shirai being the one to stand tall. But yeah, I think Raquel Gonzalez has to leave as NXT Women's Champion. Very interesting to see what happens next for Io Shirai. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 a real passing of the torch moment. And uh, yeah, there's only, there's only going to be one winner. Uh, harder to call, Michael Sidgwick, is the six-man gauntlet eliminator match, the winner of which will face Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship on Thursday night. Leon Ruff, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, and L.A. Knight. Sid, you know who I'm picking for this, but who are you going for? I don't know. I will give two options and talk myself into one of them after making this point. If I'm Chris Harrington, stats, ways, numbers, genius, AEW vice president, I am racking my brains, my big brain, going through the data of a takeover, I'm strategically trying to work out when this match takes place on takeover, and I'm directly opposing it with the Darby Allen match because Darby Allen's a draw, or the Tyson thing. I'm doing that to try and swing viewers because this is not takeover-level material. It is 
pathetically TNA style booked, mm-hmm. convoluted nonsense featuring stars that are stars, acts that have gone 50 50 or have receded from relevance after doing things earlier in the year in this sort of inattentive NXT quintessential way that is completely opposed to what they've done with them, Gonzalez. Because this is just not takeover worthy. Um, I expect this to be rushed to all hell, given that they'll want to give other matches on this two-hour show with commercial breaks on one platform enough time to get the coveted four-and-a-half-star ratings, four-and-three-quarter-star ratings that they'll probably get. Um, And I think this is going to be to the absolute detriment of some of the people involved. In terms of who wins, process of elimination, Leon Ruff's not winning. He's already done stuff with Gargano. Um... Swerve Scott versus Gargano's an all heel dynamic. And even though everyone's a heel in WWE, <laughs> they don't really acknowledge that. Um, LA Knight versus Gargano isn't a takeover match and they goddamn know it. Everyone goddamn knows it, hence why this is such a drab, ridiculous match. Um, Loomis has got the story with Gargano, so it kind of makes sense, but they don't know what they want. Do they want to do wacky cartoon stuff that feels more casual viewer friendly and go with Loomis or do they fall back on their no no no, we need to do great matches that's what NXT is impulse and pick Bronson Reed Uh, Reed or Loomis have I got any coins on us (laughs) two seconds (laughs) I don't have a coin so I'm just going to say uh, Bronson Reed will probably resume the Loomis stuff after next week I'm glad Cedric went with Reed because I'm going with Loomis just to just to finish this off. Um, <laughs> the the booking of it is obviously based on horse. <laughs> the so the, obviously the you're gonna have one baby face that barely even a gauntlet to run, but runs a bit of a gauntlet. I think that's gonna be Bronson Reed. Um but Loomis to win ultimately. Is Bronson Reed in two before Loomis? Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's three and um, Dexter's five. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, yeah, definitely Loomis then. Um, I'm not excited about it. I hate the booking. I hate the way they've arrived at this. feels to me like they put Johnny Gargano versus Dexter Loomis on a piece of paper for a takeover card, then all looked at each other awkwardly and said, we can't actually sell them that just as is, can we? <laughs> we can't justify this for a takeover. Let's pretend he's worked for it. Let's try and create a story in which um, Loomis has earned this shot this time versus just cap- like kidnapping Austin Theory or forcing, like, giving Indy Hartwell the eyes so Indy Hartwell gets a bit of a crush on him, that sort of thing. Like, the match felt so stupid on paper, but they still wanted to book it, so they've just gone a long, long, long way around getting there to it. And it's going to, the idea is to make it feel earned tomorrow night, um, which it won't. Huge, huge test for Gargano if if it is Loomis. I guess that's for another preview show. Um, and one he might live up to. Johnny Gargano's really good. Dexter Loomis isn't. Um, and it's probably why they've gone to such lengths to book him in a match like this, if indeed they're going to go back to that. Or I think they will. I think this wraps a bow and story as well. I think once like once he's had this shot and hopefully he loses, I think that's finally the end of Dexter Loomis versus The Way. 
Oh, please, God. I'm depressingly, in sort of in agreement with you there, Hamlet. I would like to see uh, Bronson Reed versus Gargano, especially because their history in that ladder match a while back. I, I'm intrigued to see what it is. But it's a fresh start. You move into Tuesdays. Let's spin off all this Dexter Loomis bollocks and put the title around on Cameron Grimes's waist, please. It's not going to happen, but I, I will hold out hope until the moment he inevitably gets pinned in about three seconds, probably with money flying everywhere or whatever. Uh, let's go from one bit of fantasy booking of mine, Hamlet, uh, that is probably not going to happen, on the one that may well, and that is the uh, Triple Threat Tag Team Match, the NXT Tag Team Championships, uh, N- uh, MSK versus Legado del Fantasma versus the grizzled young veterans. Could it happen, Hamlet? What, your boys win the tag belts? Please, God. You absolutely will. Yes. This, this, the construction of this match is pathetic. Like, it's <laughs> apparently piss poor in order to get the belts on the Grizzled Young Vets and preserve the rematch of the awesome match they had at TakeOver Vengeance Day. That's what this is. And I won't be patronised by it um, until the match itself, when I probably will during some of the really awesome spots. It's like, it can be this great spot fest. They've got tons of people, the wrestlers included, that can construct something truly, truly great here. It's not to drag Legada del Fantasma and what they can offer in terms of the body of the match. It's to drag the booking for just installing them as warm bodies for the Grizzled Young Vets to pin. They were warm bodies for carrying Cross on his own. So how the tag team can justify having a problem with them, I don't know. If Legada del Fantasma somehow win the belts as this way to somehow subvert expectations, then more fool MSK and Grizzard Young Vets for not being as good as carrying Cross on his own. You know, it has to be them getting pinned. It has to be by the heels because you have to delay MSK. All right, maybe not has to. You could put the belts on MSK. You could just have a nice moment, I suppose. But it seems to me they know how good that match was at Vengeance Day and they know they can do it again for belts, because all it had last time was the Dusty Cup. It's a nice thing, but it's not real stakes. The belts are real stakes. This match, this tag team title match between Grizzling Veterans and MSK could and should bang when they choose to do it. So, yes, they are no longer going to be soon to be recognised after tonight. Oh, Yeah, it's happening. It's happening. And Legado del Fantasma have been positioned to take the fall, protect MSK, to preserve the fact that they're going to run back MSK versus Grizzle Young Vets at whatever the next takeover is. Yeah, I'm uninspired, half patronized in the same manner as Hamlet. Um, so that's the result as for prospective match quality, which we also go through on these pods. I think we're going to get shafted for Tanya. I think that even though they'll rush also the Gauntlet Eliminator, the very nature of that match means it'll kind of have to go a bit long. I think they'll really want to give time to the main event and they absolutely should. Yeah. And Kishida Dunn is going to get time as well. Like Champa, Volta, I think, yeah, I just think this is going to go 10 minutes when it could be an absolutely exceptional match if it goes much longer. But this is going to get the shaft. Um, it's going to be not as good as it could be because it's total obligation booking to build to a bigger match down the line. Um, I think this will go 10 minutes at at break as well. Yeah, it's going to be a missed opportunity, but one that they'll gladly just throw away almost. Um, But yeah, Grizzly Young Veterans take the titles. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. 
You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Let's talk about that technical wrestling masterpiece that we've got to look forward to then between Pete Dunn and Kushida. This, well, how do you see this one playing out, Sige? I mean, it's incredibly E-Fed booking in its premise. <laughs> Total E-Fed where, but not in a way that's like endearing. I told you about my E-Fed character before, haven't I? I think so, yeah. Raven knockoff even flow. <laughs> yeah. He did vignettes in the same manner as the Jeremy um, video from Pearl Jam. That's endearing. You get a little bit old and you start reading Power Slam and the Observe and you think, oh, I've got my bad. My guy's a woke guy. <laughs> and he's got a real name. Like, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. Let's have a match. And the match is going to be great. Um, the, the match will be great. This will be great. Um, not necessarily drawing TV fair, but it's got the takeover branding. So I, as we'll get to later on, I don't think it'll matter. This is going to be exquisite technical wrestling that in that sort of irritating NXT way, in that ridiculously basic storyline, because they are going to embody the fact that they're both absolutely exceptional technical wrestlers. Um, as for who wins... Again, there's not a great deal of investment in the outcome because we've seen from their booking on behalf of both men that, uh, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. What does it matter? Um, they've already done Kushido, Kushida Gargano. Um, so if there's any sort of North American title ramifications, 
they can't do that again, surely, then they do. It's just what they do. Um, Pete Dunne, I think Pete Dunne will win. I think Pete Dunne will win because they'll think that because he's a fluent English speaker, particularly tedious one, but it's just how WWE books in general, I think they'll give the win to Pete Dunne. Kushida's had his turn having done the North American title very recently. So I think they'll give it to Pete Dunne. I think they'll give it to Pete Dunne because I think they'll believe that he needs recovering with a big win after the loss to Finn Balor. And the fact that like the Kings of NXT are no more really now. Pat McAfee's not around. Triple H's boy as well, and you Pete Dunne. Yeah, yeah. I think he'll get the win. Um, yeah, this is what happens when you stop booking effectively. Because if you book where wins and losses matter, then you can get people to invest in the result of this match. But with these two wrestlers, like weirdly more than most, wins and losses haven't really mattered in some of their major storylines. So what you need is the like is the great match that they can have almost to obscure that. Um, Cedric mentioned about time in relation to the tag match. I actually think it's a bit of a win-win here. I think you don't go longer than 10, not only to save your television time for the things that matter, but also to stop these two accidentally missing the peak. I think if this match goes beyond how long it needs to, and it like just passes the peak slightly and the ending isn't quite, it doesn't find itself at the most explosive and exciting moment, I think we're all going to remember that this has been thought of a nout. You know, all right, fine, like best technical wrestler. That is a reason to have a wrestling match between two wrestlers in a wrestling company. I accept that. But it's NXT. They will, of course, present this as far bigger than that. You know, they'll see this as they'll, another dream match, capital D, capital M when you can't just be shown these things in graphics anymore with, with one exception that we're going to talk about in a minute you can't really be shown these things in, there's, they haven't got many of these left and Pete Dunne versus Sheeda is one from about four years ago it's certainly not one in 2021 um, I'd like this to get about 10 minutes it allows for that like like that pretty gorgeous explosive Kushida comeback that you're going to get but Pete Dunne's as amazing at kind of like he breaks your heart a little bit with his cutoffs um, as a heel which we haven't seen enough of I don't think um, that was that was a lot of the magic in the Tyler Bates Chicago classic was rooted in that just how good Pete Dunne was at that I think you can replicate that here over a short amount of time because it's meaningless wrap it in 10 with a Pete Dunne win and lots of people having lots of nice things to say about it and I think that's probably the best outcome for all of this as well mm. my favourite is that it's boring like yeah. it, this, this could be dull and that's just another indictment on how like desensitised like they've made us to so many of these matches this, this risks being dull this is Getting twenty minutes nailed on. Ugh, doesn't need it. No, it doesn't. I doesn't. Need, I, I completely agree with Hamlet. I, I also agree with Sidri, and that's what's going to happen. But I think Hamlet's right in the in, in terms of what should happen. Uh, I can tell you exactly what you're going to get from this. Uh, three three things: uh, a Pete Dunne victory, four plus star match, and a load of unbearable tweets from people going, oh, "Pete Dunne and Kashida are great wrestlers." Pass it on. What's going to happen? Uh, exactly what's going to happen. Pete Dunne is good at the wrestling with a gif of him bending Kushida's finger. <laughs> um, let's, <laughs> let's conclude Michael Hamlet with what you're going to do to Tom- with what Walter's going to do to Tommaso Ciampa. Of course, uh, Walter just passing two years as uh, NXT UK champion. We were there in attendance to see uh, him murder Pete Dunn. And uh, what have you? Uh, what has he got planned for uh, Tommaso Ciampa tonight, Hamlet? And well, do, are we going to see an involvement potentially of Timothy Thatcher? 
two years of that belt, but let's not talk about that because most of it's been utterly meaningless. I don't like people adding prestige to that ring. It's been like half spent in a pandemic with the odd defence here or there or in a non-territory. But the match, itself, <laughs> the match itself, you can't not look forward to this. Um, the booking's been quite good. I think they've done a pretty great job of like very tacitly presenting Walter as a little bit intimidated by Tommaso Ciampa. He's battered Ciampa when he's had the help of Imperium. I know they're a stable of heels and he's the leader and that's what they're set up to do. But Walter's matches are designed around the fact that he just monsters people. And instead, because Ciampa's never backed down, which is all his old man character can really do, believably, is not back down to somebody like a Walter. Um, what you've got is this quite unique chemistry where he's not going to be afraid of that chop. He's not going to want to take it, but he's not going to be afraid of it. He's going to just try and work around it and they're going to build to it and it's going to be tremendous, but he's going to battle back from it as well. It's all this like really cool stuff that you get when you have somebody like Champa's current character against Walter and the type of match Walter has. Um, so I think this will be fantastic. Rarely do I think that CWC is a good atmosphere for a match. It's a good atmosphere for this match. Mm. It's gritty. It's filthy. It reminds, certainly reminds me in theory of like, if it, like the CWC feels quite oppressive and unwelcome. I don't like really watching wrestling there. Um, but it reminds me a little bit of the aesthetics to some of the first Walter matches I ever saw where you were being sent, like Cedric probably sent me YouTube clips of him fighting in bars and clubs where indie shows are being held, where the lights are virtually all down and you can hear the fans rather than see them because they're gasping and hooping and hollering at chops rather than being able to see them popping. That's kind of the CWC. So I think even the atmosphere will suit this. It's a big match. It's a rare big match on an NXT. Walter retains, like, the belt's meaningless, so a title change would be meaningless. I'd like to see Imperium and Thatcher kept out of this, actually. I'd like to see Champa go all guts and glory to try and beat him and just lose. Because um, Walter has no choice but to, to brave the situation and beat him. That allows me for a very neat segue. I hope they in no way Americanize this match. The whole appeal of it is that you've got this absolute monster from Europe imposing his totally pious principles on this show. And I know there's heat in the idea of, oh, he's actually a BS artist and he's going to get the help of his pals. That way you protect Champa because Walter's going back to England because he's just he's the champ there and he likes living there more than he does America. I hope they resist the temptation to just Americanize this match with protecting Champa through interference from the rest of Imperium. And it's not just the tropes of Americanizing a Walter match. He sucks in America. Apart from Takeover New York, in which he was awesome, in which he was Walter, he had a bit of a mid-match with Kushida. And by mid, I mean three and three quarters. Mm. But like not like the full, undiluted, like legit, strictest definition I find Walter is a performer, awesome. I'm terrified of him. He is very much the full-time Brock that they obviously can't and wouldn't be able to book on Raw. But he's, he is that. I just want to see that. Um, smoked in that chop battle by Drew McIntyre. Um, tail between his legs. Back to the factory. And yet, his history on the mainline NXT brand very, very slightly mitigates my expectations realistically it's a takeover he's there for a reason he's there to just lacerate the living hell out of Tommaso Ciampa's chest and Tommaso Ciampa 
is low key a bit of a lunatic for damage. Like mm. he'll do mad stunts. He'll wrestle like incredibly physical matches. Like I can still hear the way he allowed. I can't remember which way around it was, but there was a spot in the first Champ of Gargano match where um, one of them was just pounding the other on the back. I think it was Champ on Gargano, just like full on, like unrestricted blows to the back. If you could do that to Walter's back, give me it. Like it's just going to be an absolutely great struggle. Like that's going to be almost sickening in its physicality, but they know how to craft things as well. It's not just meathead pulverizing. Like they'll craft something around the brutality. This is going to be tits. I think as well, we're going to get a, maybe a little, uh, a little uh, tip twist where maybe he hits Walt with like the Willow's Bell and we think oh my god he's going to beat him and then obviously kicks out but I, I think it's going to be spectacular uh, very quickly Sige I talked about Timothy Thatcher potentially being involved and I know he's not wrestling on this night he's wrestling on the next night but potentially could you see a, a moment where backstage you have Walter and Finn Balor pass because they teased that obviously a long time ago before the ongoing global bastard I can't think of a better way to do something significant with Finn Balor yeah. after he inevitably loses that title to Karrion Cross, uh, Even if it's just a passing glance, it'd be the good version of the NXT trope because it'll be informed by the fact that you've got the two champions. Um, so yeah, I would welcome very much a little backstage tease, even if it's just them staring each other down because what they go for when they book this is, oh my God, these two are going to have a match. <laughs> And what you get is, oh my God, is Jordan Devlin in uh, Angel Garza or whatever it was that time? Who cares? Because we'll have a pass here. Who cares? I thought you were going to say it was Jordan Devlin and me, because then you would have had the Walter and Finn Balor. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would welcome the hell out of that. Um, look, they need a match for this big Tuesday launch. Mm. And they've exhausted virtually everything they've got by doing a two night takeover. They might even do it in, while he's there, you know, while you're over here, love. <laughs> Who knows? But that that would be a match for the Tuesday. That's I would that's what I would do. Walter chopping the paint off the demon, basically, Hamlet. Oh, I would, don't do the demon. No, obviously, you, but eventually, lose to Cross on Thursday, and then on the Tuesday he loses to Walter. It's like oh, he's lost two major matches. And he needs to find the demon. It's all bam the best. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one final thing to talk about then, uh, that being the ratings. Uh, disappointing for, for both shows last week. AW 700,000, NXT 654,000. Yeah, I know we do the numbers on this, but if you look at the demos, it was an actual triumph for NXT. Yeah, I was going to say, disappointing in terms of a loss, but I suppose, yeah, in demos and an improvement for them. Uh, disappointing for the Dadleys because, yet again, <laughs> I predicted it correctly. Um, final... Wednesday I will write its predictions uh, as we all know uh, Hamlet is uh, the last goal winner so uh, will, will NXT uh, win the final Wednesday night war for you? No oh. goal well done AW um, no I, d- I don't think so uh, uh, I, I could be miles off with this it's a great analogy Cedric's made on our AW preview as to why oh. I could be miles could be miles off on this um, I think Peacock the fact that it's on Peacock as well will harm their audience possibly even more than I'm predicting. I'm going 750-650 in favour of AEW because wow. I think a slight bump with Tyson. I wish I could say it was a slight bump with one of the matches or some, like an angle or something, but I feel like it's probably going to be a Tyson bump. Um, and NXT will do a decent number, but it'll be a kind of cross both platforms. 
so it won't be particularly reflected in the USA number. I'll not go as long as I did on the AW pod, but I've got two points to make, right? And they're weirdly salient in that way that I can go on Netflix on a night and just think, thumbnail, 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 thumbnail. That's too much choice. That's a problem with streaming services for me. Two points I'm going to make. One, I've had Back to the Future on DVD for years and years and years and years and years and years. Never thought to just make the effort. It's a ridiculous idea to call it effort, but it feels like an effort to get out the sleeve and put it in the tray. And yet on a lazy Sunday afternoon, if you're just idly scrolling the channels and you see Back to the Future on, you think, oh, Christ, classic. That'll do nicely. There's a difference between the tiniest bit of effort versus none whatsoever. And it's quietly crucial. America, I don't want to alienate all my uh, pals over there. Yeah. But... It could have gone with buddies. I like that. Pals. Pals. But America, in terms of viewing habits and all the rest of it, and it's just entire culture is so, like, just put stuff into my mouth and eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> I will lap it up. Like, I just generally think that if... Given the choice between going on Peacock and scrolling through these absolutely ridiculous menus, they would just go, I'll just watch it on telly. It's easier. I've been programmed throughout my entire life. It happens in England as well. But it's just... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've for the drink of water. I thought I'd try and get the spit take. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's, an, it's a Western... It's a Western cultural phenomenon of pure consumer-driven laziness. And I honestly think, honestly, if you look at the convoluted menu and there's the extra step taken that people will primarily watch this on USA, it's a big old takeover. The branded events, the title matches, Yosha Eyes a draw. Like, I think they'll do a monster number and I don't think they'll get any traffic on Peacock hardly whatsoever. And again, it allows them to surf if they watch it on telly between... Um, NXT and AEW, and there is a little bit of channel hopping going on. I think 9-10 will demolish the same number AEW got last week, which would have been pretty worse and scary were it not for the Tyson bump of 700. 9-10 plays 700, and I think they'll win the demo as well. Wow. Mm. Uh, I genuinely can't call it, uh, so I've just sort of gone between both of your guesses to like say for once uh 800,000 for NXT 725,000 for AW but like we say no idea how this is going to play out particularly with NXT also being on Peacock but let us know your thoughts on both shows on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE of course uh watch there you can follow all three of us you can follow Michael Hamlet at you can follow Michael Sidgwick at Peacock sucks as well it's unfamiliar and scary and bad it's not like the network um at M Sidgwick I don't know about you, but I'm kind of way to watch season five of Backlash. Uh, <laughs> so follow me. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> follow me on uh, on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, our preview of AW Dynamite is available right now. Our reviews of both shows will be available tomorrow, as well as our preview of Night Two of NXT Takeover. Stand and deliver. But for now, this has been the Wednesday Night War preview of NXT. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. 
I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.